0: To explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally, not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin.
1: Welcome to Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. This is Dr. Dan. Freedom Forum Radio is for you, faithful listeners, no matter who you voted for or what political party you belong to. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is not about politics. It's about principle. It's not about candidates. It's about conscience and the Constitution. Like the name implies, this is a program about freedom, individual freedom, your freedom, where it comes from, what it means to you, and most importantly, how to hang on to it. You know, I'm a reader. I read uh, read a whole lot, and I always have. And I suspect that many, if not most, of my listeners are as well. Now, I read for information. I want to learn on a subject I'm going to be speaking about or writing about. So I read for information, but mostly I read for pleasure and relaxation. You know what they say, a book is a journey? Well, it is. It takes you places, places you need to go or want to go, or maybe some strange places as well. But every once in a while, every once in a while, you read a book, that has some absolutely, incredibly profound significance. It's a book that changes your direction. It changes your thinking. It makes you think in a different direction. It makes you realize a brand-new construct on life itself. So think back along those lines. Think back your lives. Can you name books that did that for you? Well, I sure can. One of them is Atlas Shrugged. It showed the critical importance of the free market and limited government. It makes you appreciate the U.S. Constitution, at least the original one when they were still following it. Well, how about 1984 by George Orwell? Boy, I can never think about government in the same way ever again. And worst of all, we see it all happening right now. He was only a few decades off. So, I think that that this is something that we need to realize, because I recently read, about four years ago at least, I read a book. The book that changed the mindset and the thinking of a whole movement. A whole movement of people read this book, and we'll call it the Liberty Movement, read this book, and things changed. And that book was One Second After by Dr. Bill Forstin. On page two, an EMP attack on the United States eliminates electricity, power, transportation. Basically, everyone goes back to the Stone Age. And what we realize is how thin is the veneer of civilization. That book really, I call, the birth of the prepper movement in this country. Because that's what crystallized the thinking of that entire movement, the liberty movement of those people. Dr. Bill Forstian is my guest on Freedom Forum Radio, and we're going to discuss these books because he has come out with a new book, and that new book is just as important as One Second After. So, Dr. Bill Forstian, welcome to Freedom Forum Radio.
2: Dr. Dan, thank you, and in your introduction, you cited a book that changed my life. I remember reading 1984 when I was in seventh or eighth grade, and a line that always haunted me was when Winston Smith is being tortured by the state the police. And remember his interrogator, O'Brien, says, Do You want to see if you know what the picture of the future is? Picture a boot in a human face forever.
1: Why well, isn't that the sad truth?
2: And this was during the Cold War, the confrontation with the Soviet Union. And I'm hearing liberals on our side saying, oh, we, you know, they're really not that bad. And yet, people like Ronald Reagan stood up and said, no, it is an evil empire, we have to confront it.
1: Absolutely so, true.
2: 1984 changed my life And uh, it's a book that was in the back of my mind When I I wrote One Second
1: After Well that's why I want to talk first About One Second After We are definitely going to talk about your new book D.A. Sari or Days of Wrath But One Second After For me was one of those books Like Atlas Shrugged Like 1984 It changed everything For me How did you come to write that book?
2: Uh, what do we have, three hours? <laughs> sure, why not? Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the Cliff Notes version. Uh, I can peg it to that exact date in the summer of 2004. Uh, I was up in D.C. Now, before I wrote One Second After, uh, I wrote a number of historical novels with New Cambridge. Now and I have been friends uh, even long before he became Speaker of the House. On that particular day, I drove up to sit down and spend a couple days with Newt planning out a book about the Civil War. Newt was late, you know, to to our meeting. He came walking in, and Newt has excellent control of his vocabulary, but some explosives were flying out. He tossed his suitcase, and he turned to the gentleman that was with him and said, when the hell is Congress going to wake up about EMP? I'm sick of this. When are they going to wake up? And I looked at Newton and I said, do you mean electromagnetic pulse weapons? He was a bit surprised. At, how do you know about that? like, well, Newton, I did study military history. my specialty. So rather than talk the Civil War, we spent the day talking about EMP. Why on that day? It was the day the 2004 congressional report was released about the threat of electromagnetic pulse weapons. Head of the committee, Congressman Roscoe Barberk. On that day, nobody attended the release of the report. The reason why, they were at the other end of Capitol Hill for the release of the 9-11 report. And as Newt prophetically said, he said, you know, on this day, I feel like we're looking backwards at the last war and not looking forward to what will be the next war. By the end of the day, Newt was pushing me. Maybe you need to write about this. He made a phone call. Following day, I went and met Roscoe Bartlett, who unfortunately is no longer in Congress, and he summed it up perfectly. He said, "Bill, the problem with the MP is it sounds like science fiction, and there's not a constituency. Maybe you can write something about it." So that's where the book got started. It actually was not published until 2009. I went back and forth for a while on figuring out how to write the book. Inspiration finally came to me about actually set it. In my hometown of Black Mountain, and what would happen to a typical small town, typical family, if the electricity went off and did not come back on because of the enemy action, an electromagnetic pulse, or even from a coronal mass ejection, a major solar storm, could do the same thing to us. Our civilization is based on electricity. We do not realize how fragile that infrastructure is.
1: Well, you know, one of the things that's so incredible about One Second After is there are those two, two aspects of the book. There's the scientific aspect, the EMP aspect. What does an EMP do? How does it affect electricity? What are the, what are the other, uh, other effects from not having electricity? That's, that's one part. And then the second part is what happens to civilization when there is no electricity? That's what that book put together for me when I read it. Not just the scientific, but also here's what happens to civilization, that thin veneer that keeps people from um, basically being animals.
2: Well, Well, let's talk about the scientific side just for a second for some of your listeners who might not be up on what an EMT is. Electromagnetic pulse. How it is created is detonating a small bomb, two or three times the size of a Hiroshima bomb, which by today's definition is small, the type of weapon that Iran and North Korea most likely already possess. You detonate that weapon 250 miles above the Earth's surface over the central United States. The gamma ray burst coming off the bomb hits the upper atmosphere, sets up a major static discharge, it's kind of like a lightning bolt hitting next to your house. Cascades down to the Earth's surface, feeds into our power grid, and one second after, the power grid is blowing offline. It's short circuiting the entire system. Now, let's think about 9 11. We watched 3,000 people lose their lives that day. In the first minute after an EMP, maybe 100,000 Americans will be dead because the vast majority of our commercial aircraft are computer driven. They're not designed for the type of overload an EMP could generate. Planes will be falling from the sky whether Captain Scully is at the cockpit or not because you've lost the control of your aircraft. People, the congressional study, for example, said 90% of Americans would be dead a year after the event. And your scoffers you at the start, would saying, oh, that's impossible. How? Well, I was doing an interview in Phoenix. And gentlemen gentleman like you, you know, chatting with me was, the numbers seem kind of outrageous. Well, we went to a commercial break, and the weather forecast came on. It's another day in Phoenix, a high of 113, a low of 93. When we got back on, I said to the, the radio host, he said, how would Phoenix survive for one day without electricity, with 113-degree weather? Where do you get your water? Electrical pumping. How does your food arrive? By trucks, etc." and most of your transportation grid is offline, what percentage of citizens in Phoenix are retired and on medication? And the pharmacies are no longer open. You have a cascading breakdown, and within a matter of hours or days at most, you start to have a societal breakdown, a very violent breakdown.
1: We have to take a quick commercial break here on Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. More with Dr. Bill Forsten right after this. You know, I think that that 9% figure is really really a gross underestimate. Because I don't think that a year after an EMP, I don't think that 90% of the population would still be alive. It's,
2: that is coming straight out of a congressional study from some real top experts. Uh, if folks listening are curious about this, simply go online, look up Congressional Report 2004. EMP. You can get the whole report right online, or you can go to uh, the .gov site, and it breaks down how everything starts to unravel. I attended a meeting some years back, a uh, group called Impact America, where they had a number of top experts explaining things. And so one team pointed out that 80% of our generating capacity would still be offline Five years after a major EMP attack. 80% of the electrical generating of America. But as somebody coldly pointed out, in one sense that wouldn't matter because at least 80% of Americans would be dead. So they wouldn't need the generating capacity. We're it- talking about something that makes the Black Death of the 14th century or the horrors of what happened in Russia between the Revolution and World War II.
1: Well, there's no question that depending on electricity, if you lose that one item, everything depends upon it. You can't even pump gas at a gas station without electricity. You can't do you're, anything. I mean, you're how? A
2: medical You're a medical doctor. Let's draw a very simple analysis. How long can a human body exist? The heart stops beating.
1: A nope. couple minutes or so, that's about and it. And then it's over. Yeah.
2: Electricity is the heartbeat of America. It's been a system we have lived with for 140 years, 130 years. We're not observing it. We don't even realize the convenience of flipping a switch. It's not just about a light. It's about your refrigerator, your water supply, medical. It's the same as if your heart stopped beating. The body starts to break down, literally, actually, as you know, as being a doctor, within about two minutes, you can't get that heart beating again. You've lost your patient.
1: Well, that really demonstrates, you know, why this book was so important, because it really dealt with the most critical issue that we could imagine, the loss of the one factor that is responsible for civilization in this country. That's why that book was such an incredible book to read.
2: Let's go back to 9-11. Well, I'll ask, what were you doing at the precise moment?
1: Well, I remember, I remember exactly. I was in my office. I had just gotten to my office seeing patients, and someone mentioned that was that we turned the television on, and it was happening. Ah. It was a Tuesday morning. I remember oh. it well.
2: And... I was getting dressed to go teach a course at my college, and I walked out of the living room for a minute to get a shirt out of the closet, and in that interval of a minute, the second plane hit. And I will never forget, and I choke up a bit every time I remember it. You know, walking back in, and the Fox News, V.D.L. Hill, was gasping. I said, My God, America is under attack. This is a terrorist attack when that second plane impacted. But let me put a different component into this. Imagine if at that instant your television set snapped off, all your power snapped off. What would
1: you be thinking then? Well, the most important thing is you would never know how extensive that attack is. And then you would not know what to do, how to prepare. You wouldn't know what to do because what if that attack was going to happen down the block from you at the same time? You wouldn't know.
2: And we as Americans are not used to, we don't have a concept of silence. Ever since the development of telegraphy, throughout the American Civil War, people were literally getting almost hourly updates to what was happening in Virginia or Georgia or whatever. But all of us can recall how on 9-11, when it seemed like the world was disintegrating. I will never forget Rudy Giuliani standing there covered Remember, in that gray dust. Yes. But he was saying, let's keep our act together. Let's work together. Let's help each other. We're Americans. We're going to pull through this together. So we had that voice of leadership. You're not even going to hear that voice. You're just going to hear silence. That is a
1: terrifying concept. Well, that was what happened in one second after it was so incredible is that you had that void of information instantaneously. The main character was on the telephone, and the, and the line went dead. And so you had an immediate void of information, an immediate void of leadership. And so what was so incredible about One Second After is to, to see how leadership developed on a local level in order to meet whatever problem. They didn't even know what the problem was. They didn't understand they just knew they were, in, they were in dire straits. But how the leadership developed that you portrayed in that book was incredible to me, and it serves as a lesson for all of us.
2: Yeah. Knowing you and your love of American history and your understanding of it, uh, I'll, I'll put a clue here to where that inspiration came from. When I was a kid, it was a wonderful old movie. Uh, called Drums Blowing the Mohawk. And it was about life on the frontier during the American Revolution. It starred Henry Fonda, one of those great movies from the late 30s. And there's a scene in there when the, the, the people of this village are told, we're going to be attacked. And somebody's like, well, well let's get hold of George Washington, let's get the army up here. And it's like, no, we're on our own. We're on our own in this one. We've got to stand for ourselves. And I believe in the innate capability of Americans in a time of crisis to still be able to stand up. We've seen that weakened in many ways, but part of the inspiration for the positive side of One Second After is, there's a hell of a lot of decent people out there. And with the rise of the prepper movement in the last four years, there's a lot of people who understand. This concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The right to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom.
1: I get joy in everything. Everything. Everything gonna be all right this morning <laughs>